Makers of Sport Podcast, episode 58, with Surf Melendez. to episode 58 of the Makers of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. Today on the podcast, I'm very happy to welcome Surf Melendez to the show. Surf is the Managing Director of Content and Creative Services for the Miami Dolphins and Sun Life Stadium. Before the Dolphins, Surf had an extensive career in advertising with stints at Crispin Porter Bogusky and Victors and Spoils before moving to the in-house world at Adidas and then obviously now the Dolphins. His path to the creative industry is definitely not a traditional one as I'll let him get into in his story, but he has had the opportunity to work with some of the biggest brands in the world, including Nike, Coke Zero, Burger King, Harley-Davidson, Volkswagen, and many more. Welcome to the show, Surf. I appreciate you taking the time to join. Oh, thanks a lot. I mean, you're actually really amazing in how you switch on the velvety voice of Adam Martin when we actually go live. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> it takes it takes 58 <laughs> episodes to get that down, man. <laughs> so, so, Surf, I know that you're a little familiar with the show and maybe you've listened to a couple episodes, but I'd like to give you an opportunity to share a bit of your interesting story with the listeners. As, as I mentioned, it is quite different than what we've heard from the quote-unquote typical path to a sports team. So why don't you give us a little bit of your background and then kind of let listeners know a little bit of your path leading to the Dolphins. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I've been listening to your show for a bit and um, I, I want to say I just love I love where it's headed and I love what it's doing for the, uh, the sports creative community. I mean, you're giving so much to them. So uh, kudos to you and thanks for doing this. Um, yeah. And it's just a treat to be on. So um, <laughs> a little bit about me. Um, uh, it's it's yeah, it is kind of a, an untraditional path. I mean, I I've always had a um, artistic background. I mean, I grew up like loving comic books and watching cartoons. I mean, I want to say I even dreamed in cartoon when I was really young. Like I was like so dialed into like <laughs> yeah. animation, you know. Um, but uh, but as I got older and I started like thinking about all right, what am I going to do when I go to school? Um, I didn't even know that art and graphic design, especially in sport, is, was even an industry or an option. Mm-hmm. Um, I came from you know a family of, of finance people, so um, so like there was no I mean that was a whole other world, man. Right. So, uh, so when I ended up going to college, I I, uh, I got uh, I went into the um, the architecture field and um, architecture as we called it because uh, it was so darn hard. <laughs> but uh, and I and I was doing well, and uh, but it just wasn't it just wasn't you know wasn't there for me, right? So um, so I switched over to fine arts, and and that was really really awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, I was young and I was dumb and, and when, when I got towards finishing, I, I kind of like, I had all my ducks or I thought I did in a row. Like I was trying to, you know, get a job with Disney to be an animator and stuff. I had a friend over there who's going to help me get my book in. And I kind of like, I don't know, freaked out, got distracted. didn't want to be a starving artist. Like I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So I totally switched gears and, <laughs> and I helped a buddy like start 
start a restaurant business <laughs> in South Florida. I mean, it was crazy, right? Yeah. So, um, so I totally like switch gears. Did you and, design all the stuff, the menu and stuff? The funny thing was, yeah, I would help him with all that stuff, right? So it's like the signs are on the wall, right? So, uh, <laughs> but but I was in the restaurant business for a bit, and we opened up some restaurants, and um, you know, a really close friend of mine who's just fantastic, and uh, and I did that for a bit, and I thought, man, all right, I gotta get out of hospitality industry because like it's it's just not my thing, right? So I went even further away from my current path and went into finance because I came from a family of, you know, you know, bankers and stuff. So I ended up working, I was working at a bank and I was like, uh, just total numbers guy and growing. And that was a scary thing. I was growing in that, in that field. Mm -hmm. And I, I got to, uh, a fork in the road. So the good thing about the restaurant business that I met my wife, so, so, oh yeah, there you go, yeah. man. So anyway, I, I get to the fork in the road in finance, and finance, and either I can continue on, I'm about to get a promotion and really get a big jump in pay, right? Or I can, I, I can try to to work my way into this ad agency in Miami, who's re- really making some good work, but it's a little small boutique shop kind of thing, and um, you know, uh, but it'd be like for half half the you know half the pay. So I remember talking about it, my wife, and my wife is. Just like, you know, you got to do what's going to make you happy because I don't want to be married to a dude that's going to be miserable. (laughs) And and it was, but let me tell you, it was such a tremendous piece of encouragement because uh, I don't know about you, but there are times when we can overthink things. And yeah. you kind of put the weight of the world on you. Now, you know, what if I, if I don't make enough? I want to support a family. I want to start our family, all this craziness. And, uh, but she took that weight off my shoulders and, I applied for a gig at Crispin Porter and Bogusky. I at that moment I I didn't was really it called know. Bogusky? Did it was Bogusky a partner at the time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. he was a, he was a partner then, and um, it was it was going through a boom because they had just um, started doing work for Burger King, and they were just killing it for BK. And so there was this big wave of hires, and they were like doubling in size. And so I knew a little bit about advertising, not that much. And so there were two job openings. There was one for a traffic manager, which I don't know if any of the, the listeners know like what they do, but they're like project managers. They kind of keep the workload moving. You know, they're like the life force in the ad agency, right? And, and then there was another position for a budget analyst. So I call the agency, um, the HR. They patch me through the traffic manager because I figured – that department works with everything, so I'm going to learn about advertising. And uh, they weren't at their desk, <laughs> so 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 the receptionist is like, "Hey, you know, do you want you know they're not at their desk? Do you want me to tell, you know patch through somebody else?" So, well, there's this other role that's open, and I'm probably more qualified professionally for it since I'm coming from a bank. Let me talk to the uh, the finance people, right? And so uh, they picked up their phone and. Uh, and I ended up getting this job at an ad agency as a budget analyst. And I thought, okay, this will be the closest I get to realizing that dream of being a creative because professionally right. I've only run numbers. This is a really, really cool ad agency. So, all right, this is as good as it gets. Yeah, I love your and your LinkedIn profile says number cruncher with a fine arts background. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. So I'm sitting there and doing budgets for like these big brands. And as this is all going on, like I'm, I'm watching the work that's coming out of our studio. And, and, and at home on my own, what I would do is I would come home and I would just 
work on stuff. I'd you know download the latest Photoshop, and I would like oh geek out about the newest features of the program, or I'd you know draw the hell out of things, or I would try to design like you know uniforms for our local hockey team. And mind you, this is South Florida, so it was like a roller hockey team. Didn't make any sense, but just <laughs> try, I want to design the jersey. I'll join, right? So um, so I'm doing all this stuff at home and. I'm watching all this work go by. I'm like, man, I think I can do this. So I reached out to uh, someone in the studio. His name is Daryl Tate. The guy is fantastic. And uh, I said, hey, man, I, I think I can do this. Um, you know, do you want to look at any of this stuff? I, um, you know, maybe I can talk to our manager. And um, you know, he, he had me submit my stuff, and it was really bad. It was horrible. Like, I look back at that stuff like, oh, my God, it's disgusting. <laughs> and... Uh, um, we we got it over to Neil Verdell, who was at the time he was the uh, the studio manager in Miami at Crispin. Now he's like industrial design director. I mean, the guy's fantastic. But um, we uh, we're, <laughs> we he hires me as a junior production artist, and they were a little surprised. Like, man, this is this is kind of cool. Um, we got a, like a finance guy is going to slide over, and so I just did that. And I thought, okay, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to build ads. This is cool. Mm-hmm. So I learned from the bottom how to build an ad from a production standpoint, like how to make it ready to go out into the world, which I thought was a really valuable thing to learn you know, early on in, in my career. Um, so my wife also worked at the agency, and she was a traffic manager. She must have gotten the position that I got declined for or something. And, <laughs> right? I mean, she's way better at that than I am anyway. And um, uh, we, we're going to open an office up in Boulder, Colorado. So um, they, they want to only take their best people so they want to take my wife because she's kicking butt at what she's doing. And I really wasn't on the radar for it. And I remember talking to my boss, like, um, my wife's on that list to go. We're kind of a package deal. <laughs> so, so, so he goes and, and he talks to Alex. And, uh, you know, Alex was, I love Alex for this. Like, he was very truthful. And he said, look, you know, we only want to send... Uh, we want to send a lean group, we want to send our best people up there because it's going to be really tough and we don't want to put someone in a position to fail. You know, this guy is really new, you know. And my, my boss ended up telling me that and I, and I told him, I said, look, Neil, I will do what I have to do. I'll work. I, will, I won't let you down. We won't fail, right? Mm-hmm. So we end up opening uh, the office out there and it literally was four production artists and you know the creative team that came up there as well, and the writers, and you know, there's a small like task force that went up there. It was a special time, but we worked like 24 hours a day. It was incredible. Like we got to a point where we were just like just turning and burning all the work. But as I'm doing the work, I'm exposing myself to the creative directors. Um, I'd always get like they look at me like, "How do you know this stuff?" Like I'd make a comment on something, and like you're you're an accountant. Like, how do you know these things? <laughs> I kind of know, like, you know, I have a background or whatever. So I started working with, um, with some of the creatives there closely because I, I started, I got put on like Coke Zero and um, uh, some of the accounts like that, like Burger King. And um, I started working closely with their CDs and like Alex Bernard, Bernie Bernard and Dave Schiff, they're running Coke Zero. And one of their art directors um, was going on vacation and she's from Korea, and so she was going to be gone for a month. So they're like, hey, Surf, send me an email like at 10 o'clock at night. Said, hey, do you want to become an art director? And I lost my mind. I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Of course. <laughs> yeah. So the reply was, all right, get your book ready. We're going to show it to Alex tomorrow. And I thought, what? I have like six hours 
to get my <laughs> for Alex Boguski, who like right now is like the freaking he's Steve Jobs of advertising, you right. know, like this is crazy. And I know Alex and stuff like that, but I thought, man, this is nuts. So I didn't sleep. I put stuff together. It was horrible, but I put as the best work I could. And I gave it to Dave and Bernie, and they looked at it, and they really did it just so they could see my work, honestly, and see what I could do under pressure. And, and they said, all right, this is the deal. You're going to cover for Dai Young. She's gone. Um, and uh, you're going to team up with her, with her writer. Um, and you guys are going to help pitch for Nike because we're going we're gonna to pitch for some Nike work. And I thought, man, this is crazy. And so we ended up working together. And after that, that was it, man. I had a taste. It was only supposed to be a temporary thing, right. but I had a taste and I wasn't letting go. And so they kept giving me work and giving me work and I ended up becoming an art director. And from there, I just kept growing. And that place was a tremendous place to learn how to become a creative. Like it was absolutely incredible. And the type of people that were there were phenomenal. Like it was just a who's who of just creative, just brain power. It was Unbelievable. Well, I, I want to now. Were you? Um, did you work on any of that subservient chicken stuff? Were you at the agency when that was going down? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was at the agency when it went down. Um, I wasn't responsible for any of that stuff. I was on the ancillary side, um, but we all kind of pitched in to help. Um, but yeah, I was there when it was happening, and it was it was jo- it was so much fun. That was insane. I remember I was an intern at like a local boutique advertising agency, and the. Um, one of the guys showed that to me and I was just like, what? This is, this is nuts. And this is like obviously way before any type of social media. I think Facebook was like around, but it was like still in schools. Right. Like if that thing came out today and like, and you took the actual concept and sort of like scaled it with the actual technology of today and like how things have progressed, it would have been like viral. I mean, it already was viral, but like it would have been like, it would have been insane. It it broke the, the very small internet that was out at the time. It was, yeah, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. You know what? You're right. It was early on in social media. And I remember those guys basically had a guy in a chicken suit, like do every possible response to a command. Um, And it it basically made the website look like it was magic. Right? It's like, oh, how does he know? Right. Like you could type anything in and it knew. Yeah, it was that was incredible. They, those guys, they did such a great job of Burger King. It was so much fun to be around them when they did that. Um, all right, so then fast forward, got to work on a ton of, ton of cool clients. Um, learned a, a ton while I was at Crispin. But um, like I told you, my wife and I, we worked at the agency together and we it was a place where you just grind. And because we, you know, we were just working so hard because we loved it so much. Everyone really did, and and um, we 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 started a family. And so that was the that was another fork in the road. It's like, okay, how can we do this if both of us are working at Crispin? So um, so what we ended up doing is I um, ended up leaving the agency and going to a smaller agency uh, in Boulder to kind of like have just a little more of a balance and a little more of a regular schedule mm-hmm. while, my, while my wife stayed at Crispin. And, um, and so we were doing that, and I was at another agency for a little bit and, uh, and then went over to Victor's. And then she had a, our second child, and it's like, all right, we got two kids. <laughs> got to get a Crispin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and but it, the funny thing was, like, when I left, I remember at first feeling like I was so – Bitter is not the right word, but like disappointed and angry and stuff because I was like, darn it, you know, like I wish the hours were more regular. I wish this or that. But, you know, now that I'm older, nothing changed. The agency never changed. It really was just me that changed. 
My right. life stage changed. It was fine when I was younger and we didn't have kids and stuff like that. We loved it. We poured ourselves into it. Um, but then we changed. And so, you know, we had to make a change. Right. And, uh, and, and it's, 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 it's really important to know, understand, like, you know, it's okay. It's okay to change. It's okay to change industry. It's okay to change where you are because your life situation changed. Because at the end of the day, right, your family, your life, like, they're going to benefit the most when you're the happiest. Right. You know? So, um, but anyway, getting all crazy philosophical, but ended up going to Victor's and Spoils, which was a spinoff of Crispin. I got to work with some, again, some more great creatives. Evan Fry um, uh, ran that shop with John Windsor and Noah Clark. And let me tell you, those guys were so cool. Like Evan Fry was, is one of the most intense, cerebral, smart um, writers that, that you could meet. Like the guy really intimidated people. And, and he didn't really intimidate me because I, I really liked him a lot. And whenever he would like basically spank me, right? Like, man, this, right, is, right. this, this isn't good. You know, I know you can do better. Like this, is, this isn't Bush League, you know, like things like that. I, I, it's not like I'd walk away like with my tail between my legs. I would sit there and like, you know what? You're right. Like I am better than this. I should be doing better work, you know? Um, and then like on the flip side, we had Noah Clark at the agency who was our, our creative director. And he is one of the nicest, smartest creatives you could meet. <laughs> and, but he was on the art director side, right? So we had a great balance. And that guy is tremendous. Um, they're still killing it over there at Victor's. I, I, I root for those guys every day. Um, well, and then after Victor's, I was sitting there doing great work, working on Harley Davidson, um, you know, doing the ad thing. And uh, I got to a point where I wanted to really test out the waters in sport. And so I started looking into like, what does the industry have? And at the time, obviously, you didn't have this podcast because if you did, you would have helped me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking around and probing and I just decide, all right, let me just reach out to the big apparel brands. Because when you think of uniform design, you just think of Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, right? Like, and you think like they create it. You don't really think that the actual teams create their own looks. Right. And so I just reached out and just started networking and um, it really didn't go anywhere, honestly, until, um, until you know, one day I got a phone call back from Adidas. And they, they were just like, hey, are you still interested? We have a design position um, open. You know, do you want to combine design and sport? And I said, sure, you know, what, what do you want me to do? Um, you know, again, the child inside of me just wants to design uniforms, honestly. Right, right. It really was my driving force, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they they were they were doing what other brands were were starting to do as well, and they would bring a lot of their creative services in house. Um, but they wanted to do it like an agency, so they wanted to bring an agency guy in and help them build and build their process, so we can have. I mean, it's one thing to have design and identity work, um, you know, when it comes to like the production part of it done in house, and it's another thing to have like creative thought come from in house, right? And so that's, that's what they wanted to build. And so um, that was incredible. So just switching from the agency side where I was working on Harley Davidson in the morning and like nursing pillows in the, you know, the end of the <laughs> yeah. day. It was like, it was bananas, right? So like you do these mental gymnastics of, you know, like switching demos and stuff to jumping, you know, feet first into one client 
where I could grow this brand over the period of time, um, that was really appealing. And so, and it was a sport, obviously. So I just I jumped in, and it was it was tremendous. Like the the opportunity to move out to Portland, Oregon, and and be with that group over there was 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 crazy. Um, so so yeah. So we're out in Portland, and uh, uh, we're doing our thing for a few years, and. Um, I ended up seeing there was a uh, an opportunity with the Dolphins that um, it was almost like this weird luck. I guess I just kind of put my, you know, I was just looking, and uh, uh, and I was on LinkedIn. I think I was answering probably a I don't know a message to you or something. But there was a a logo on the corner of my screen. It was the Dolphins logo, and I thought, oh, that's funny. What's the Dolphins? You know, what what job openings they have? And it literally was almost word for word the position that I was doing at Adidas. And it just, all the stars were aligning because we were thinking, my wife and I were thinking about moving back to South Florida because our kids are getting older. We want our, the grandparents to see their grandkids, right. you know, that, that kind of thing, and bring, bring the family together. And um, it turns out that the CMO of the Dolphins at the time, she used to work at Burger King, and she loved Crispin. And oh, she, wow. Yeah, and she knew the work, and she loved the approach, and she wanted to build... In an internal agency um, as well. Um, you know, her and, and our CEO, Tom Garfinkel, like that was like the vision. Like we want to bring these services in-house. And so it just worked out where we had we had common, we had a common network. And um, yeah, I, I interviewed the Dolphins. And once I spoke to Tom Garfinkel and he told me what the vision was about building an in-house agency, wow. Like I was blown away. And the support that we were going to have, you know, all the way up to our owner, I was on. I was totally on, and I got to work on you know the team that I grew up rooting for. So it was it was it was uh, it was an easy decision. That's awesome, man. I mean, yeah. it sounds perfect. I mean, your story, and then getting to that point in that position, that sounds like such the perfect fit. Like it's it's serendipitous, you know. It really is. It really is. Really long winded story. I apologize. But no, man, man that's that's great. I, I love I love these sort of like unconventional stories. It's like my favorite thing about talking to people um, because there's there's you bring like a different viewpoint, right? And that's that's what I think is awesome about it. I do want to circle back though to your time at Crispin. Um, I, obviously, being a graphic design major in college, uh, and then working for boutique advertising agency, and then I used to be involved in the AAF, American Advertising Federation. For anybody that doesn't know what that is, but I, I'm so I, I love advertising, especially. Um, that sort of higher level of it with the, obviously the bigger budgets and the creative storytelling and that type of thing. Um, I'm curious, what was it like working for Alex Boguski? I mean, I, I've been a follower of this guy for a long time. I used to watch his sh- little live stream on Justin TV. Like did he, and he, I think he himself is like a college dropout if I'm not mistaken. Like he sort of has like an unconventional thing. What was that like? How did he sort of affect your creative methodologies as you were growing? He, he, uh, he absolutely just validated what I was trying to do because here's a guy who was very honest, very, um, very fearless. Um, he, like you said, you know, he didn't, he didn't, you know, go to college, but his instincts were right on. And the guy is not a dumb; he is brilliant. Like, guy is so smart, and he was so encouraging that you know having him as a creative leader. Um, really inspired everyone. I mean, one of our mantras there was, you know, the idea is king, meaning it'll come from anywhere. It doesn't matter if you're an art director, a writer, a budget analyst, a content supervisor. If it's a good idea, like it's going to, you know, bubble itself up and it'll be considered. 
And so that gave me the green light to grow and learn. And, and I mean, I don't, when I started, I didn't even know who he was, quite honestly. Like, I, I, I wasn't so dialed into the ad world. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got in and I got to meet him, I thought it, it kind of, it worked out better that I didn't know him because I wasn't in awe of him. So I actually could cut that garbage out and just listen to him right. and learn from him. And, and I would ask, like, some of our other CDs who I respected tremendously and, like, you know, like, I'd ask them the same question. How, how is it working with Alex, like, every day? And they would say things like, you know, we'd come up with these great ideas and he'll come in and sprinkle his, his magic dust on it and it'll become great. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, he's, he's like the, he was like the real-life Don Draper almost. <laughs> I mean, it, it was I, – I mean – he he really was like the the Steve Jobs of advertising, like very very um, precise, uh, very clear, um, brutally honest, um, and uh, and one, honestly the word that 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 really or the two words that really describe him the best, and he's kind of coined them is fearless. Uh, he would talk about fear and how fear everyone has fear and fear is a good thing. We just have to fear less. We have to do it you know, less amount of time because fear just stunts creativity. Yeah. And then he, he actually, and then he took that at when he left and sort of became like fearless cottage, you know, like that whole, yeah. I mean, to be where he was in advertising and then just like leave the industry. Like I remember it just shocked everybody. Like what, but it's funny because like, like I was watch you know, as you watched Justin TV, like his little live stream, mm-hmm. you could see this shift happening. Right, mm-hmm. where like he had more agency people on in the beginning, some of the you know the the partners of of Chris and Porter. I think he had his dad on once, and then he started sort of like shifting into where he was bringing on some like some food, local food, organic food companies, and that type of thing. And then it was just like boom, like his his why changed. You know what I'm saying? Like why he does what he does. Like that all just changed. I think you nailed it. I mean, I, I never really personally had the conversation with him, but we we kind of just saw it, you know, from the sidelines as well. But I felt the same way. I felt like his why changed. I mean, we were we were pushing out like, you know, these different brands. And I think instead of just making clients money, um, it became, you know, how do we do good? How do we do good for our clients? How do we do good for the consumer? And um, it's it's a much stronger platform uh, to grow, especially when you believe it. So yeah, no, you, you nailed it on on the head. I think his why changed, and. Um, and he's he's killing it now. He's still doing it. I mean, he's still his. He's just kind of re, re, rejiggered his his aim a little bit. And now it's uh, like they're doing tremendous work at in the different ventures that he's working on now. Yeah, and and I think that that too. He was almost even ahead of his time in that because now, if you look at what companies are doing now, basically that mentality is what everybody wants to do. Everybody wants to focus now on the consumer. What are we doing good for the world? You know, Nike's like here's our. Uh, Nike, what is their whole, they have like that whole uh, Nike, uh, shoot, I watched a South by Southwest talk on it, I can't even think of the name of it. <laughs> but it's, you know, the whole like Nike free world type or oh, right, thing, right, right, that right. type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they have a bunch. Of, I mean, we, we were working, I remember at Victor's, we worked on the Girl Effect and it was one of those like initiatives, like, you know, like do right type initiatives. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, we were, we were at Crispin, we were a little ahead of our time. I mean, I know at, at, there was a one point where we, instead of wanting to be an advertising agency, we wanted to be a full service agency, meaning like, we wanted to also be an interactive agency before there was interactive. Right. And so um, he was on, on the front end of that as well. I mean, there were a lot of agencies that were, you know, probably doing like shy and things like that. We're doing a good job of it. But he, I don't, he was such a lightning rod 
that uh, it was, and we were making such disruptive work that we we kind of enjoyed it. And and honestly, it really shaped the creative I am. I'm, I'm uh, I, I've 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 not dropped any f bombs on here because uh, <laughs> that's actually my mo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I would probably I would probably edit them out anyway. I usually don't. What's funny is like uh, this is a little behind the scenes for the listeners, but I don't actually. So the way that I I host this podcast on SoundCloud, and the and you actually have to put an explicit tag for things like that, and I don't know how to do that on an episode per episode basis. So I usually just like take everything out. Like, I oh, will just take it out. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned you, you know, you're, you had uh, a kid, right? And that changes right. everything. And so you kind of went and worked for the smaller agency, Sterling Rice Group for a little while. And then you went to Victors and Spoils. And at the time, I remember when they came on the scene, there was a lot of criticism about just that business model in particular. Can you talk a little bit about that shop and maybe some of that model and what it was like working with that type of model where you're kind of have thousands upon thousands of create uh, creative ideas coming in. Yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, the, the model that you're referring to is called crowdsourcing. And I remember um, it was a fairly new idea back then. And, and it still gets a lot of criticism because it's um, it's a little bit misunderstood, but um, either that or, or it was abused in the past by other, other entities. But um, really the model is um, we would, we were a small shop. I mean, we we're a handful of people and we would, we would have a community of creatives and we would put briefs out and the briefs would be tied to um, an incentive. So if um, all these ideas would come in, um, we would use our internal creative team to, you know, to kind of build a presentation and pitch it. And the, the ideas that made it to meeting or the ideas that were bought by a client were the ones that won. And so like to the victors go the spoils. So what was ever in the the booty um, is, you know, is, is who would win, you know, those, those ideas. So if the client, I mean, every project is a little different, but if the client, you know, picked two ideas, three ideas, four ideas, you know, they just divide the booty up, you know, to those creatives. Right. So, I mean, we, we had a Harley Davidson um, campaign that was pitched by um, someone who wasn't even in the industry. Um, he might've been like a salesman or Dude, something. Actually, but, I know exactly who you're talking about. His name's Whit Hyler. <laughs> he awesome. is in, he's in Lexington. Well, that so so he totally gets the credit for for being creative on on that campaign. You know, a creative like or a quote unquote creative like that or an idea like that gets the benefit of having the creatives that were in house, like so me and 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 Noah and Evan and those guys um, make like a TV spot or make the print ads or make the collateral. So you know, you truly could be anyone and drop an idea and and it will go out and be made into the world. Um, so the, that guy now, just like an, an aside, like that guy now is in advertising. Like he, oh, he's like, so awesome. yeah, he was like business, business insider, like listed him in one of their like top 20 something advertising people. Like he's, he was behind like the whole Kentucky for Kentucky brand, like oh, Kentucky cool. kicks ass type stuff. And there's like, they right. did a Super Bowl Kickstarter or, or something like that. See, that's so killer. Like I, I, when we did it, honestly, like we did it with the idea and it was a little um, idealistic, but with the idea of let's, you know, there's a lot of creatives out there. They all want to participate. Some guys are freelance and want to be freelance. Um, we'd get those regulars who would, who would, you know, contribute ideas, but like, let's all win. Like we all win when we do it this way. So, um, you know, any any extra, I guess. I mean, I, and it was never in the finance side of that. Like after I left the budget analyst side, I never touched it again. But I would assume that like 
that extra money out of there comes goes into like keeping the lights on and you know paying for whatever overhead you have as an agency, you know. Right. But um, but we try to keep it as fair as possible. So um, you know we've pretty much functioned as a normal agency. Honestly, um, we just had our a creative department that was partly in house and partly God knows where, and we would just always be on Skype or you know IM or something when we were working through pitches. It was it was actually pretty great. Yeah, and you know, I think that there's probably like a little bit of a disconnect too between just like the design world in general and then like the agency agency world. Like that type of model is wasn't really. I mean, pitching work, right? Like where people kind of got tore up. I think about the whole spec thing. Sure. And it's like, but agencies, that's what they do. I mean, they you pitch work, right? And sure. and hope to win it. And and it's that's not uh, that's definitely the same even in the in the digital world too. I mean, there's a lot of people that are. If you think about, there's a company. Um, well, shoot, I can't even think of what they're called now. I'm like totally losing losing thought here. But anyway, they're a digital company. I'll put the, put a link in the show notes when I recall them. But they, uh, you know, this guy wanted to work in the web, and he went and just re- redesigned a bunch of websites and pitched them, you know, for free. He didn't That's get any money for awesome. them, right? Like, and then he ended up having one of the best digital UI companies around now. That's, I mean, that's, that's a really good lesson, honestly. Like there are a lot of times like when they're young creatives, like they want to, they want to break into the industry or they want to get noticed or want to get that gig or whatever, just do spec work. Like, uh, there, there is a group I read about them. Oh gosh, darn it. It's probably someone big now. I read about this article on these guys like a million years ago, but they, uh, they basically did the logos of their fantasy football team and they did a bunch of minor league baseball logos and identity systems, and now they're like an agency. And oh, it, yeah. And it's yeah. probably a really big and good agency, and I should know, and a shame on me, but I, when, when I was a young creative, I thought that was super inspirational. You know, like, just make the work. When I look right. at books, you know, that's kind of the stuff I look for, too. Like, what are you thinking about? What are you doing on your personal time, right? Right. You hear that, and it's such a, such a story that gets gets kind of told over and over. Like if you listen to any, any people, any of the designers or the creative people that are doing really interesting things right now, if you listen to their stories, a lot of them are like, I was grinding it out for some, you know, <laughs> yeah. company doing like, I don't know, financial services work. And I, this wasn't right. the work I wanted to make. I started making what I wanted to make on the side. And that, now that's what I'm known for, you know? And it's, it's, it's such a um, it's such an honest and simple way to do something that you love, right? Because if you love it, you know, you'll just do it because you enjoy it. And if you get paid for it, like that's awesome. That's the sweet spot. But if you don't, like you're still doing something you love. So like if you're working at that financial place and you want to really design like, I don't know, like uh, album covers, just go for it. Like do it. And then who, put it on Behance and maybe somebody picks it up. Right, right, right for sure. Uh, I mean, look at you. Like you're doing this podcast because you love it. It's not like we <laughs> yeah. pay you to do I it. I definitely don't get paid for it. Right, <laughs> and it's... But it's freaking awesome, and it's such a huge resource to the industry. Well, and I think something people need to realize, too, is not everything is about a monetary-type thing, right? Like, there are rewards that I get from this that are intangible things that you can't put money to, right? I mean, just getting to talk to people, doing interesting work, meeting people, going to... Uh, conferences that are for in-house designers only, or like you know, going to Mississippi State for the last episode and walking through their facilities and seeing that type of thing that just the everyday sports fan doesn't get to do. You know, that, that must have been such a killer experience. 
Oh, it was awesome, man. I periscoped some of it. I wish that I had set the, it was my first time doing periscope and mm-hmm. I wish that I had set it to where it would save, but it was like, <laughs> it's funny on that episode. It's like, yeah, so uh, we periscoped it and, and then Ashley's like, yeah, it's probably going to be gone by the time this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you basically Snapchatted it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But for the for the for the twenty or so people that were watching it live, it's awesome. There's there's actually uh, there was a designer from Twitter who was watching it, and and the, I actually I know this guy. He's from Louisville, Kentucky, but he he's at, he's at uh, Twitter now out in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and he was like commenting on how how's a good use of Periscope. Like he's a huge sports fan, but he's just like a you know like a UI designer at, at Twitter. Gotcha. So pretty yeah. cool. But man, I want to talk dolphins. Let's talk dolphins. We. Cool. Uh, um, so you, you're, you're at Adidas, you're in Portland, which is where sort of their U S headquarters is. And you go back home to Florida, you get that opportunity, you go to work for the dolphins. Were you, were you a dolphins fan growing up? Yeah, I was. I mean, I, um, I was, I, I, when I was really young, I, I kind of was just, you know, I was all over the place, but when I started becoming a sports fan, yeah, I became a dolphins fan and I just, I just love Dan Marino. Like the guy just spits <laughs> yeah. fire. I mean, the guy <laughs> yeah. is just such a dude's dude, you know, and such a competitor, so hard not to like him. So I, um, so yeah, I was a Dolphins fan. And, and so when the opportunity came, I was like, man, this is like my team. I get yeah. to go back home. This is amazing. So you, you, but you kind of had a little bit of a taste, like you're working in advertising, you're doing a little bit of everything for everybody, so to speak. And right. then you kind of target in a, in a little bit, you go to Adidas, you're probably doing some work for colleges, working for different mm-hmm. teams at the time. And then now you're coming in and it's like one team, you know, right. one team, one brand. Um, what was that like? Kind of uh, funneling up to sort of that point, you know, from a creative perspective, and especially it being a new position. Yeah, you know, it's it, the funny thing was I thought I was going to be doing that when I went to Adidas because um, I figured, okay, it's one brand, right? It's Adidas, but I didn't really like the role that I was in. We made the creative for like running and men's training and women's training and, and U.S. football. And so like there are all these different sports that we're making, like doing branding for. Right. So it was, it was like being, you know, still being in an agency. So when, when I got to, to Adidas, uh, to the Dolphins, um, it was, it finally felt like, okay, I'm really going to be now one of the caretakers of a brand and actually like grow this brand and care for it. And it, for me, it was an honor because I, I mean, I'm a fan and and some of the names that have been associated with the brand and the sports side, I, you know, I revere like, like Don Shula, you know, and Dan Marino. Right. So it was such a tremendous honor to have the opportunity. Um, so yeah, so when I when I came here and I started talking to the people here, the first thing I I, I immediately um, noticed was the um, the atmosphere. Like it was a very family friendly type atmosphere like there's a lot of love in the office which Mm -hmm. is like you could just see it the way people are talking to you and no one knew me and I was just a guest going here for an interview and you know there are people just like hey how you doing let me get you a drink of water it's like whoa I like if I don't you know if I'm not mistaken I'm still in Miami like this is South Florida people aren't this nice down here yeah yeah, I know that's what's kind of the contrast it's almost like wait this is Miami (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was fast but no the uh it was super cool and um I started talking to to the people here and like I said earlier like I spoke to Tom Garfinkel and he um he was, I want to say, fairly like within a year of becoming the new president CEO of the company, and he had a vision, and the vision was to to really grow this this company from a creative side like like no other. 
um, he has he had some a creative background um, early in his his career, and um, he he's told me many times like, hey, you know, I, I started as an art director, but I very, really quickly knew that. I know what I want, but I just couldn't make it myself. So I'm gonna, I want to get people around me who can make those things, right? Right. And um, he, he got to work for a lot of great brands. And so he wanted to bring those learnings uh, from those brands um, and their global brands to here, to this team. So we aren't just viewed as a, a, a regional brand, but we're, we're building to be a global brand. So when he told me those things, I thought, man, I'm coming from Adidas, right? That's, that's why, I mean, that's really why we were having the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like what I'm hearing. It's home. This is going to be great. So we get the gig or I get the gig. And, um, we also had new, some other, uh, new creatives here. Um, one, which I think, I mean, if anyone out there has ever heard of John Willie, if you don't know him, follow him on Instagram. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. Does awesome work. Holy mackerel. Like his IG account, every photo, I mean, it's a piece of art. Every <laughs> totally, photo. man. It totally is. I actually and, was going to bring that up like, in a little bit and we'll, we'll go a deeper dive into it, but, but sure, yeah, go sure. ahead, man. That's awesome. So, I mean, so anyway, so like, so he, he and I started the same day. So we kind of felt like, all right, we're in this together. Let's, let's build this, you know? And, um, so I started bringing in the agency process and the agency thought and, and some of Crispin's like, um, just approach. And, and he brought the, um, the sport industry side of it. Cause he's a baseball guy or was a baseball guy. And, um, so between the two of us, we felt like we had a good balance of all right. How how do we how do we make how do we grow this? And uh, little by little, we've been adding the right creatives internally. And man, talk about like growing a brand. I look at even last year's campaign. Like wow, we have grown so much since last year, and the guys have are really buying into what we're doing. And uh, it's pretty incredible. You know, n- now we're just really digging into video, right? Our video team does a tremendous job of capturing and 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 trying to create stories like hard knocks and nfl films right. you know how do we take that to the next level you know because if like i mean the viewers probably know now but socially like video's king now right oh yeah no doubt i think you guys too what's what's interesting is uh do you watch the show ballers <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean you guys have a really prime opportunity right now like the show ballers is out it's like miami it's like <laughs> It's funny, like the, uh, that's like I get people ask me two things, right? Do I watch Ballers and um, Ace Ventura? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I haven't. Honestly, I haven't seen the show. I've kind of stayed awake. I just don't want to, you know, like mix the lines. I want to. I want to focus on our brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no I've, doubt. I've heard the Gambit. I've heard. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think something that's interesting. I mean, you talk about. Uh, Tom Garfinkel and his. Uh, first of all, I noticed that he's a Colorado guy. He came from. I clicked on his profile. He's from college, Colorado. But anyway, um, culture is is always just such an important thing in in uh, not only just in a job in general, but just like in a especially in a creative place, right? Sure. And so it's it's so important to the work itself. And then obviously uh, nowadays, probably even the biggest thing with culture is like actually from a recruiting perspective. And I know sure. that you guys are kind of in that mode where it's like, let's see if we can bring in some of the best and talk about sort of a little more like maybe about how some of that culture comes down from the top, from some of your like executives and sort of like how their vision is kind of being passed down and kind of their, sure. their openness to, to bring you creative people as uh, almost like a, uh, I don't want to say seat at the table because that's often overused, but you know, just like on a heavier strategic level. 
Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you nailed it. It's it's does it starts at the top. Um, so you know, Stephen Ross like believes in it, and um, we have our our vice chairman Matt Higgins who has um. RSC Sports, which is like a, a sports entity that we work with closely, you know, they believe in culture and growing creatively. And it just, I mean, it just works its way from the top down. Um, so, you know, all the way to, to, you know, once it goes to Tom, you know, down to our CMO, which is um, Jeremy Walls, who like we all have the same, there's the same vision, which is really cool, you know, and there isn't any politics, which is, that's another cool thing, right? Because that creates red tape. So we just, we just, you know, I get the opportunity to do what I feel is right. I have the freedom to show, you know, hey, this this is going to be really cool. Let's do this or let's try this as a new initiative. And the guys are really receptive to it. And, you know, stuff gets killed like, you know, like things normally do or, right. or makes its way through. That's fine. But it's really empowering to be able to be in a, a situation where ideas really can bubble back up and, and it's being supported. So, um, yeah, culture, culture is king. I mean, for sure. Um, it's, it's, we, we've been building a creative culture here and it's, it's been catching on. Like if you're an outsider coming in, like you definitely feel it. Like the guys enjoy being with each other. Um, and we get to see it in our work, quite honestly. I mean, our, our last campaign was the first time that we are actually able to get our whole team seated in one space. We used to be like kind of separated. We had our video guys in a different gate at the stadium and we had our design guys at a different gate. And, and so since we we're re- renovating the stadium, we brought everyone in one space. And when we concepted our, our campaign for this year, they all got to work together and they all got to grow together and really bounce ideas off. And man, the, the, the campaign wouldn't have been what it is if it wasn't for them working together and having that, 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 that connection with, with just basically good culture. Well, I think something that's interesting too is if you look at, especially this happens a lot in in college athletics. Um, but if you look at, say, you know, these organizations bringing in, like you, you guys have content and creative services, right? Like that's your division. There's right. still a lot of silos even in sports where some people's like, okay, that's the video group, that's the web group, that's the the graphic design group, and it's like they're still kind of like separated. Whereas like you guys, you're all together, and I think that's like that's a huge, huge thing for the brand in my opinion for sure i mean we i mean again it's it's another it's another testament to the culture because like we even have our um social media manager sits in our space and technically we're not in the same department because there's like a communications department but the leadership is so close and we're we're all we work together so it really doesn't matter who reports to who cuz we're we're all working together um and we're all doing the same thing so um you know we're we're trying to do it the right way i i've noticed that in the sports industry um well let me take that back in the nfl right like i we've met other teams and everyone has their own take on it right that they mm-hmm. think is best so i think we're all still trying to figure it out um and it's it's pretty cool um, for us right now, this is, this is working, but we're still working on ours too. So, um, but yeah, I, I, if we can get it all under one umbrella, um, have, um, and have like the same vision, like you're definitely going to see more results. And I think that's what we're doing. Right. Well, let's talk about brands and, and especially the, do- the dolphins as a brand. I think when you, when you think about global brands, uh, a lot of times they, they transcend cultures, they transcend geographies. If you think about when somebody says a brand, a lot of times maybe somebody's going to think about a Coca-Cola, 
McDonald's, you know, those brands that you see like all over the world, maybe some, and obviously the apparel companies, Nike's Adidas is of the world and maybe Under Armour is now starting to get um, overseas, but rarely it seems you ever think about sports brands that fall into that category. And maybe the closest one would probably be the Yankees just because like of their mm-hmm. letter mark connection to the, to New York city. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned, you've mentioned before, we've had a couple conversations off, off, uh, or an email where part of the goal and the vision is to approach the dolphins and sort of scale it into a global brand, not just a sports fan or sports brand, not just looking at things as a sports brand. Can you elaborate on that and maybe discuss some of the specifics of some of the things that you're doing? Sure. Um, you know, so that that's kind of the world I come from, right? So when, when I was in advertising, we worked on global brands. So, you know, I got to work with Nike. I got to work at Adidas. I got to work with Coca-Cola, with, Coca-Cola, with Sprite, right? So, you know, the approach for me, I was lucky enough to start my career at an agency that was doing work at a very, very high level. So I didn't really know any better, really, or any different. So, um, so with the Dolphins, um, instead of approaching brand building, as oh how how are we you know how are we going to regionally market our brand i've been just taking pages from the only thing i know how to do and that's how to build a brand and and build it larger right so you mentioned the yankees right the reason why the yankees are so great right there i mean it's an iconic brand they're in a big city but it isn't just because right the ny it's because they've built it they have the championships like it's an iconic brand you got like you know the cowboys you got the lakers right these are all manchester united these are all Brands that are just so big. So um, for us, what we are, what we do, and I, and I know me personally, what I do is I think, I think of, um, I think of Nike, I think of Adidas, I think of Starbucks, I think of Target, I think of Apple. Um, those brands like do such a great job. Um, I want our brand to be at the seat of that table. Right. So I want to be able to grow it that way, you know, from a brand perspective and brand building, you know, um, that's one thing, right? I can't really affect what's happening on the field. That's a whole nother ball of wax. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can make sure there's, we have a voice, right? Where we have a vision. Um, we represent ourselves consistently. We're out there. We, we, we don't deviate, you know, in, in these new emerging markets, um, and social platforms, like we're on there and we're relevant. Um, we use them the right ways. Like we're in the conversation. So, and we're in it repeatedly. So when, when people are, you know, they talk about, oh, hey, you know, like we were talking earlier about like Instagram, right? Like, wow, did you see what the dolphins are doing? Or on Facebook with the latest like products that they roll out, like, wow, did you see what the dolphins did with that? Like keep trying to move the needle that way. So it's not just people looking at us for sport inspiration. It's like, wow, look what that brand is doing. No one's ever done it that way and they're doing it. So, yeah. So, so, um, I, I try not to look, um, at my peers too much, because you know, I want us all to grow, and I think um, I think the great thing about your podcast is that I've been discovering that there are a lot more um, guys out there who are like minded, and we're kind of doing, it, and we need to get together and keep pushing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like the um, you had um, Chris David Garcia, right? Yeah, yeah. You, ha- you yeah. had him on, right? I think he's doing a tremendous job of connecting creatives to grow brands in the next level and share ideas. Mm-hmm. Like, that's important. 
You know, like it's important to help each other and collaborate, but then also challenge ourselves to do things that we've never done before. Yeah. And you know what? I actually, are you connected to him? I need to connect you too because, um, Oh his, yeah, we chat. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, his conference, I mean, it's, 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 there's a lot of these sort of struggles that in-house departments have. We're, we're in a new world here, you know, like teams are bringing in these things and they don't know how to approach it. How much say do creatives have? How, how can we push back? Are we allowed to push back? You know, like the, those types sure, of things. Sure. Well, yeah, that's always a constant struggle, right? As a creative, um, you know, you want to stick true to your ideas and stuff, but there's also a creative maturity that you have to have to understand. Like, it's one thing to stand for an ideal, but it's another thing um, to be able to have the foresight and the flexibility to grow an idea because um, you may not have the answer right? The first go. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you have the answer all the time, then your name's probably on the door, right? Like right. you own the place. You're like, you know, you're Alex Bogusky, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, um, but for the most part, like, you know, you don't have the name on the door and you have to kind of keep working through the creative process. I mean, that's why it's called a process, right? So right. we'll keep growing. Some ideas die, they don't, but you keep moving it forward um, to, you know, to get those ideas through. Um, I, I totally went on a tangent there, but that was actually no, kind of man, fun. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned John earlier, and and one thing you guys have, you guys really have up the game in photography. I mean, it's insane. The the photography, yeah. obviously, photography has a strong association with sports already. I mean, each team has their own photographer, but from a composition perspective, there's like an artistic vibe to the stuff that you guys are putting out. I mean, you're you're. Your, your your photos have great angles, great lighting, and, and that type of thing. You're not just Instagramming these random like cell phone shots from from the side. And if you are, then somebody is really awesome at that too. <laughs> yeah, they got um, a really good phone. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys are you are you uh, sort of establishing like a control on that as far as like what goes out and that type of thing? As far as like uh, composing these nice shots and not letting just anybody with a cell phone take the photos out there. Oh, absolutely. I, that that was one of the first things we did was we felt like, like you said, photography has such a strong association with sport. So how do we show that we are doing something different immediately? And we thought the best way and quickest way to do that was through photography. So John is a tremendous photographer. We absolutely control the look and the feel of our photography. And um, it is artistic and that's on purpose. Like we challenge ourselves to give better compositions, to give better a better look, better. And when I say better, better against our own selves. You know, like we want the most unique angles. We want to be fly on the wall. We want to give a viewer something that's really intriguing. We want to crop things differently. Like we really, really dig into like our artistic eye um, for this because um, we felt like. The consumer, the sports consumer, can get really good coverage from like the big brands, like the big media outlets, right? ESPN, AP, get it. Like they have great photographers and they're going to cover things, like, and it's going to be incredible. Um, what we want to offer is it's almost like that exclusive access, like, wow, did you see like, you know, that shot of Jarvis Landry? Like, no one had that. Like, and, and John, I mean, it's funny to watch John work. He'll lie in his belly. He's shooting. I mean, he's like, I don't know. Sometimes I look at a shot like, how did you get so close to the action? Um, I mean, he's a tremendous, tremendous photographer. Um, and it isn't just with an iPhone. Like, we'll, we have a process on, on, uh, 
on game. You know what? I'm going to go into that a little bit. Like our social media process, like is tremendous. We we have we got it down to where John's shooting his tremendous images. We're getting those images to our editors. Our editors are you know are working through. We've trained them um, how to have more of a creative eye. You know what to look for. You know what John shot for, and we're trying to get it up to our social media manager as quickly as possible, so we mm-hmm. can get that great content out. Um, but it all starts like, honestly, it starts like days before with a plan, a vision. You know, like what are we going to do on you know this week when we play? You know, whoever, um, and and what are we looking for? And it, yeah, it's intentional. Absolutely, it's intentional. There's, um, I'm the looking way- at a shot of Tannehill right now running back to the tunnel, giving this guy a high five. And I mean, it's like it's insane. Like the fact that there's like a, a sort of a flare coming down from the light and that type oh, of yeah. thing. Like it's was that fo- was that post Photoshop or is this like legit? Like that was actual. <laughs> So, so it's really, like I said, a lot of it's creative eye, right? So like John is really, really good about, um, always knowing where his light source is, where the sun is, and he's not afraid to shoot in it. So, um, he, he really, really is. I mean, he is a tremendous, a tremendous creative. Um, and so that's why the, the reason why the two of, I, of us work, work so well together is because I can, I can push him. I can say, you know what, we need to do this or let's challenge ourselves in that. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's make it better. Let's go. And he always does it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you got to look at his. I mean, we we post a lot of his work, obviously on on our on our IG account. Right. Um, we also have like the official Dolphins Photog account, which is like his, basically his cut. So he'll take those same shots or maybe shots that didn't make it mm-hmm. uh, or that we missed. And in the franticness of a game day, and he'll find those beautiful, beautiful images and put them on that uh, on that account. And it's and they're they're tremendous pieces of art. I mean, we we already had an art show with them. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I, I was actually trying to look for that just now. I couldn't remember where I saw that at, but that's. I mean, that's great. And I saw you guys did the uh, sort of like the whole uniform when you brought the or introducing the new uniforms. You did the whole kind of like gridded Instagram like image or when you look at it as a grid view, like oh, it yeah. makes an image, you know, like that type of thing. I mean, that's your call. I mean, the dolphins colors really lend themselves to some, some cool looking work just because they're so different from anything else in sports. It's a lot of fun. I mean, honestly, it's a lot of fun. Our colors are, um, are, yeah, they're, they are truly unique. Um, you know, you see our colors and it's us, which is really the goal, right? You know, when you have a color palette. Right. Um, and uh, but the retro project that you mentioned was an absolutely tremendous um, treat to work on with Nike and the NFL because it's, you know, I got to, that project in itself was just to, well, how do we bring back the 1966 uh, look and feel on like the very first day we took the field, look like uh because it is we want to celebrate our 50th season and we're going to celebrate it on monday night football and we want the world to see what the uniform looked like back then and Mm -hmm. so man how much fun it was to like go through old nfl films and pictures and you know try to find out what the field looked like and where were the striping you know what was the color blocking on those uniforms and you know it's 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 really funny because like i remember the first go at it we'd look at the uniform like well what's something looks off and it was just that you're looking at this old colors, this old color blocking on a new, you know, new innovative uniform, you know, right. kit. 
So, you know, so it took a while to kind of wrap our heads around. No, no, that's the way it would look. But, you know, now the uniforms are that much better. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. They, don't, they, don't, they don't have the big baggy sleeves and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Well, I think you guys, one thing, uh, uh, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, like in coming in and really controlling your messaging, but we all sort of know that consistency is key when it comes to branding. And the interesting thing about sports brands is you sort of have this overarching brand, which is the actual organization. Then you have these individual brands, which are that particular year's team, and then maybe that particular year's coaches. And then the players themselves are individual brands. But I think from a, from a typeface and just an overall visual language perspective, I can tell you guys, uh, we already talked about photography, but you have a really strong emphasis on developing like this visual language. Can you kind of talk about that? Um, and then maybe sort of relate it to the overarching brand itself, the Dolphins, in comparison to like your seasonal campaign, such as the 50th year campaign. Sure. So, I mean, we thought it was very important um, when we came in to establish like, what what are we doing with our brand? You know, I, I came in right after we switched over to our new logo. Um, but prior, that 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 identity system was being misused like crazy. And it, it basically was just because no one really knew how to use it. It wasn't right. like anyone was doing any malicious with the brand. You just didn't know. So like the dolphin would be, the logo would be broken up. They throw sunglasses on him. Instead of a sun, he's jumping through like a, I don't know, Christmas wreath or something. Like it was just, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was craziness, right? And it, it, no one thought it was anything wrong with it. It was just, oh, they just didn't know. So part of that rebranding was to really, really tighten up on the consistency. So step one was okay. You know what? What are what? What? What's our typeface? What's our color? What are we emphasizing on? What do we stand for? Right. And so what? Um, um, developing that for the brand, so it would be consistent throughout. Like how do partners use our brand? Things like that. And then based off of that, now let's start thinking about the ideas for a campaign. Right. So. Okay, we have our foundation, the brand look and feel and all that jazz. But now when we talk about the message, we have something that can express it. So, you know, yearly campaigns, and this is my, my personal opinion, yearly campaigns shouldn't be a reinvention of who you are, right? Like there should be a core of what you are and what you stand for and what you look right. like. And then these yearly campaigns are more, you know, it's more the copywriting. It's more maybe the photographic approach for that season, you know, but not a tremendous, it's not a revolution. It's like an evolution of your brand. Um, I feel like that's where a lot of sports brands kind of, kind of think about themselves as sports brands because they start going into the seasons cycle as a campaign cycle right. and it, it ends up becoming a brand cycle. And that's a slippery slope to be on. You never want your brand to be on that kind of cycle. You want your brand to be consistent and to grow. Um, so, so I, I'm I, we're, we're trying to differentiate that. Like, it's one thing to have a message. Like, this year is our fiftieth season. We're celebrating our fiftieth season. Um, you know, we've introduced a couple colors. You know, just to kind of amp up how important and tremendous the season is. But next year, um, obviously, you know, it will have another you know, another message, but we're not going to reinvent our brand just because it's the 51st season. Right. Yeah. You know? And, and I want to, I want to encourage listeners to really kind of go in and look at these images because I think from like me initially, when I first saw these, uh, and obviously I've seen them now for a while, but like when I first saw these, you, 
you sort of think that that's a texture back there, which and it is a texture. Uh, and it's part of the visual language that you've created, but it's mm-hmm. actually a fifty, right? And it's actually a pattern sure. made of the fifty. And those, I love when those things happen because so many people tend to think brand or or just like uh, from a visual perspective, like logo, logo, logo. But it's like there's these alternate alternate things. And I, this is an overused example. I give it all the time, but it's like the whole London Olympics thing where you know the you saw the 2012 the blocky look from from Wolf Olens and but you didn't have to actually write out the 2012 or have the logo you just have those block that blocky look and you still associated it with the London Olympics so that's oh, like yeah, sure. you guys are doing a good job with that i really really appreciate that well let's let's uh i'm curious from a brand perspective and being able to leverage some of the the people that have been associated with with the team Dan Marino, like what is what is kind of his role? Are you able to leverage him a lot from a creative perspective? I mean, he's from a content perspective. I mean, we always just subject matter from an art perspective. You know, Dan Marino's good subject matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it was it was really cool. Um, I would say about a year ago to hear that he was officially part of our you know part of the organization as opposed to just associated with the association, um, and and so. Um, he, uh, it's not like, you know, we run, run campaigns by Dan or anything, but, um, he is an integral part of the brand. He works very closely with our CEO. Um, he has such a great personality and voice and, you know, personal brand, um, that it, that really helps, you know, the guys on our side, like when we're trying to develop who we are, what's our brand voice, like, you know, let's look to the natural voices of our brand, Dan Marino, Don Shula, and and it's 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 refreshing. And for me, it's very helpful because I get to see him often. I see him on road games. I see him on game day. So um, it, it helps reinforce. Like you know, I have a couple conversations with him, and and like who we are, what we were. You know, the competitiveness. It's, it's still, still there, man. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome, man. That's awesome that uh, that he's involved. So there's there there are a few things I think in the sports world that work for people working in sports and work against people working in sports. And one thing is each year there's new excitement, right? Uh, but in contrast, once a team kind of starts going down, maybe a slippery slope of not coming, uh, you know, living up to expectations that people set for them, it's possible for excitement to fade. And from personal experience, I know this being a Kentucky football fan every year. It's like, yes, can't wait. Oh, three games in we're we're terrible. (laughs) Um, and, but you guys, one thing that you guys have that obviously Kentucky doesn't have was the, is a, is a history. And so I'm curious, how do you keep excitement, uh, built when maybe the team isn't doing as well. Like, you know, this year you've kind of had a little bit of struggles. Maybe the team isn't doing as well producing on the field. Obviously we creatives cannot control that, right? That's out of our, out of our uh, scope. But how do you keep your personal team motivated, your creative team pushing, pushing the envelope from a, a creative work and through the content itself, even if some of that content isn't necessarily announcing super awesome wins and things like that? Sure. Um, Wow, and that's that's a good one. Um, so we're all fans, so like that part is uh, you know like the listeners like who are sports fans, like you kind of you live and die by uh, I guess by the performance on the field. But at, at the same breath, like the creative team and the producers of work here, like we're also fans of the work. So um, it's a challenge, you know, it's, and it's a good challenge. Like, how do we? What's our message? 
what's our, you know, how do we, how do we help the fan base kind of recover? Um, we, I mean, I personally definitely don't listen to a lot of the extra noise because that's, I mean, there's so much of it, you know, and, um, and like anyone who's on social media knows that like probably the majority of the trollers out there, you know, are just, they just need somewhere just, they're passionate too. They're fans too. They're just upset just as much as we are, you know? Um, So, you know, we want to give them a voice too, but, um, you know, keeping the team, honestly, keeping the team motivated hasn't been an issue because we are just so involved in the work. Um, it's kind of strange. Like we prepare for the, we prepare for the game. We get ready. Like we may get bummed out if plays aren't going our way or we're like cheering if they do. But once it's done, like we know our guys are working their tails off. Like we're proud of them. We're just kind of, you know, just brush ourselves off too and get ready for, for the week, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I remember thinking the same thing coming in, like, man, what, what, How's it going to feel like if we're, you know, if we're a great team or a not so great team? I, honestly, it really doesn't matter. Like it, 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 as far as the work, like we keep the work moving, like you keep positive, you keep going and, mm-hmm. um, and you keep challenging ourselves. It's funny. I, I thought, you know, we were talking earlier about like, you know, the different, different brands. Some of them might be more successful than others. And, you know, like kind of ranking the work, like you got really good brands and maybe their work isn't so great. Um, I got a feeling like some of the brands that aren't do are really good probably have like more struggles on the field because they have to work so much harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's no question in that. Cause, and, and I can't remember if this was on the record or off the record, but you look at someone like a, uh, um, just, just as this is a backyard example for me, <laughs> but Kentucky <laughs> basketball, like they, they, they don't have to do, people are going to show up. I mean, as long as John Calipari's there and he's bringing in NBA talent, like people are going to show up. It doesn't matter like what type of stuff they crank out in Instagram, but they should be <laughs> cranking out good work in Instagram. That's <laughs> if they want to really kind of like produce like excellence on, uh, on all levels, you know, like, and that's, sure. I, I feel like that's really important. And, and I think it's, we're in a great time in sport where teams are starting to realize this. Maybe some of the bigger ones haven't really, or the, not the bigger ones, but the ones that have had like really successful records in the last couple of years when this stuff really hit, um, haven't focused as much on it. Maybe, I mean, obviously Alabama, they, they're an, they're an example of a team that does really well every year that focuses on it with Matt Lang and the stuff that his team's pushing out down there. But uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely an interesting we're in an interesting spot <laughs> for uh, sure, for this creative world in sport. So let's talk about tech. I, I uh, technology is is very vital in the sports industry, and and I truly believe that we're going to see it spike even more as teams are kind of getting a little more interest in things like startups. For example, recently the NBA just invested in and took an equity stake in a mobile app development company. And right. the Sacramento Kings, they invested in a virtual reality company. The Dodgers have a, have a whole startup accelerator. And then even today, I read that the NFL is partnering with Stanford's graduate uh, business school and the technology blog, technology blog TechCrunch to host a pitch contest for companies that are um, innovating the game and the facilities of the league. Now, sure. obviously... There are multiple roles of tech in sports organizations. So you have everything from data analytics to business software to technology for athletes and coaches that help them perform better. Uh, but from the consumer side and fan engagement and experience, that's something that obviously your group is is in charge of. What role does technology play in the Dolphins organizations uh, from the content and creative side and how how are you guys working with outside organizations maybe to bring better technology to the consumer side? 
Gotcha. Um, well, technology's huge. I mean, it's it's such. A, I mean, I, just the word technology, right? Is like a, that's such a loaded. Yeah, it's uh, overwhelming. Industry, right? <laughs> but um, we uh, there there are a couple of things. I mean, we we think about internally like our, our game day experience, right? And so we've developed um, our app a little differently than other than other um, teams. You know, we've we've combined. Um, uh, like a mobile wallet where you can like load, you know, your your account. You can load cash onto it and make purchases um, in the stadium. But then at the same time, we have you know like the fan portion of it. You know, so if you're a member, um, you're a season member of the Dolphins, you have like this one stop shop for to get your tickets for the other events that we have. It's all in one place, um, and we're continuously updating this app. So, like literally everything happens in your you know in your phone. Like so, when you're when you're driving up, you know, for parking, to you know, to your tickets to get into the stadium, to paying for a beer, like everything's happening through tech, and that's just that it's. I mean, we're we're day by day, it's getting better and better and better, and we keep challenging our our, our tech guys. I mean, they're they're tremendous. Um, from from more of a, a like a marketing side, um, we've worked very closely with Facebook and Twitter. Um, and and we've we've identified ourselves as as, as really good collaborators with them. Um, we just have a really good relationship with them because we know, they know that we want to innovate. Um, it's one of our um, uh, one of our values, if you will. Like we want to be an innovative brand. So um, we're we have lots of conversations with them. Like how can we how can we introduce the next product? How it pertains to our brand? And and we'll work with them and how to like. Twitter had had a product um, that they recently discontinued, but um, it was called Twitter Collections, right? And so we were one of the first brands to use that to to help our our retail team. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, I think Facebook right now is working on um, uh, instant uh, the instant articles, right? So you know, we're thinking about like, well, you know, how do we how do we wrap our heads around that so we can also prop up our brand correctly but still innovate? Um, you had um, I think it was Ashley on. Right on your mm-hmm. last podcast, yeah. and she mentioned, she mentioned that when she was at um, when when they were working for for Mississippi State, like the, the thing they wanted to be in the conversation every time is innovative, and and it's very much the same over here. We don't want to be first for first sake, like that isn't really a good reason to do something, mm-hmm. but um, if it makes sense for the brand, we definitely want to be on the forefront. So. Our fans know, and maybe maybe our non-fans also know. Like, wow, you know, of course the Dolphins are going to be in that conversation because they're always innovating. They want to make things better for their fans and for their brand. So, um, you know, and I mean, if you think about it too, what's there to lose, right? You try it. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't work, okay, big deal. Try right. something else. Yeah, right? and we we live in the twenty-four hour news cycle, right? There's something new. Something new is going to come out next week. <laughs> I mean, I would I would even say that news cycle is even short. It's like I would say it's like fifteen minutes. I mean, honestly. <laughs> yeah. No, you're totally right, man. You post something out on Twitter, it's gone if somebody doesn't see it like initially. Yeah, absolutely right. So it's a really instant time and instant and instant world we live in. So, I mean, I think there's a little more liberty to innovate and and try things, and so we're just not afraid to. That's awesome. Well, Surf man, I really appreciate your time. I you've. Uh, I definitely love nerding out on advertising and, and your path is <laughs> your path is awesome, dude. I, I really appreciate it. And I love what you guys are doing with the Dolphins. Uh, just in kind of in uh, in wrapping up, is there any type of maybe parting wisdom that you could give being someone that's sort of innovating from from the inside of an organization, a new position, 
to maybe folks that are working in an agency or agency side or in-house for sports-related organizations that are looking to bring their brands to maybe more of uh, that consumer brand type level instead of just a sports brand type level? Sure. Um, I would, I would say if you're trying to, if you're trying to take your brand and, and grow it in a, in a certain way um, and trying to really grow it, like think your approach needs to change. You need to think about what you're doing differently. Cause um, if you're, if you're doing what you did last year and the same approach and the same process, um, likely it, the, the most likely outcome is that you're going to have the same results. Right. So um it's okay, and like in this case, you know, we approach the Dolphins brand from a creative point of view, right? Or if you, you know, your brand could be an automotive brand, you know, how about if you look at a different industry and how do you infuse that into, you know, your way of thinking? Like, it's it's having a different point of view and growing your brand. I think works volumes. Um, and if you're, you know, if you feel like you're a wheel in the cog kind of thing there's no way there's no better way of of actually getting your name or getting yourself um known quicker than being the guy in the room who always comes up with that idea like the big idea um it doesn't have to be the winning idea it's the idea that's just bigger it's grandiose it's fearless mm-hmm. um and you know more times you know eventually you're going to keep chipping away at that and that idea is going to break through and I mean, that's really what's going to, you know, I, I think push the brand a little further to where you want it to go. That's great, man. And I love ending on, a, on an Alex Boguski fearless, fearless note there. <laughs> where can <laughs> listeners, uh, yeah. <laughs> where can listeners uh, support your work, reach out to you online, follow you, you know, follow the Dolphins accounts, that type of thing. And your sure. photographer. Don't forget to let's hit John up in here too. Yeah, uh, I'll hit those guys up first. I mean, uh, our website, of course, um, where we have a pretty good uh, Dolphins have a great uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook um, uh, account. Um, official Dolphins photog for John Willie's uh, take on the Dolphins work. Um, he also has a personal site, but I don't know if anybody wants to see pictures of his kids. Um, <laughs> Uh, you can look look me up on IG. Um, I think I'm the only Surf Melendez out there, um, and uh, and my Twitter is always little tidbits from advertising and sports that I just find interesting and and uh, and you know geek out on. So awesome. Well, man, I really appreciate your time. Sure, sure, it was my pleasure, man. Awesome. My next guest is going to be Eric Bottomer. Eric is a uniform designer for the Adidas NHL division. Prior to being at Adidas and Reebok, he has had an extensive career in design and management of design for companies such as Nike, Reebok, New Era, Target, Abercrombie & Fitch, and more. Eric has also actually had a couple of cameos on the show already as he was at the major level uh, Connect conference in Houston, Texas, and I've got a soundbite of him in one of the halftime episodes covering that conference. And he also actually got a mention on episode 35 with guest Tom O'Grady of Game Plan Creative. Eric's a pretty cool dude, and uh, it should be a really good show, and he should be able to give us a little more insight into the world of uniform design. Big thanks again to Surf Melendez for taking time to come aboard the podcast. Him and his team are really doing some beautiful work down in Miami, and and it's truly different in the world of sports. It's it's almost it's basically art, in all honesty. Um, as I mentioned, you can follow Surf on Twitter at SurfM, and then check out some of the work his team is doing on the Miami Dolphins Instagram account. 
be sure to head over to makersofsport.com slash episodes to hear more podcasts and interviews with some of these folks that come on and, and share their insight with you. And then also the halftime shows where I discuss entrepreneurship, freelance, and more in the sports industry. Also, don't forget about Weekend Reads. It's a weekly newsletter where I write exclusive content and share the things that I'm reading, things that I find inspiring, or things that just interest me in general. In addition on that list, you'll be notified in advance of upcoming guests and then get podcast show notes delivered right to your inbox. Please support the show by signing up at makersofsport.com slash email. Lastly, please take one to two minutes and head over to makersofsport.com slash iTunes. Hit the five star and write about your experience with the show. If you've gotten value for myself or any of the guests on this podcast, then please share the show and rate the content so that others can discover that value for themselves as well. Don't hoard this stuff to yourselves, guys. Get this out there. Let people know about it. Let's really uh, do our part to increase awareness about this industry and about some of the people in this industry trying to drive it forward. As always, I'll accept likes, ratings, or reviews on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whichever podcast application of your preference. I'm at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. The show is at Makers of Sport. Until next time, have a good week. Hello, listeners. Some of you may have hung around for this little bit of extra audio that, uh, that I captured. Surf and I were actually wrapping up our conversation post-podcast recording, and uh, he mentioned something about working with Marvel with with the dolphins and a little bit of a collaboration there that I thought was really cool and it was just something that we didn't necessarily touch on in the recording itself so I asked Surf if we could just record this little clip and I would really just like to play it for you and again this work is going to be in the show notes and also on the episode page on the website at makersofsport.com. So enjoy this little extra bit of content about the Dolphins and their collaboration with Marvel. Yeah, so you did a project with Marvel? Yeah, so uh, we had um, we had a relationship with uh, Marvel Custom, um, which is their like custom... Um, custom character division of, of Marvel Comics. And um, they created, uh, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like nine custom characters, which is unheard of for that group to, to work with and make nine unique characters for a brand. They usually do like one. Um, but they have um, these really great um, collaborators over there who wanted to, to work with the sports team and, you know, we're always hungry to try something new and something different that we were able to work with them and create um, these really cool giveaways for our members um, where we took, we took our players and we made them into like heroes uh, with their own unique like inspiration. And, um, you know, we obviously use some inspiration from like the current Marvel like cast of characters. So they had nine, they did nine characters with us and they all have like their unique, um, they're all different. I mean, it's incredible. So, like, we have our players and, like, a Cameron Wake who, like, hulks out when he, like, does his player intro. Like, so his character is kind of inspired by the Hulk. And, like, Ryan Tannehill, who's, like, from Texas, all-American guy. So he's, like, kind of inspired by Captain America, you know, and, like, 
Brent Grimes, who's like, that dude, he is so athletic and so fast. He kind of reminds everyone of Spider-Man. So kind of like that. And the work is tremendous. Um, yeah, if you, if you uh, post any of the stuff on your show notes or if you, anybody wants to look up Bill Roseman out at Marvel, he used to be in charge of Marvel Custom. Now he's doing like bigger and better things at Marvel. Um, but they did a tremendous job of bringing the brand to life. That's awesome, man. I'll definitely, I'll definitely post some, uh, post some of that in the show notes. And then for, for listeners, just if, if you guys actually check out Surf's Twitter account, he actually, his profile picture is, is one of these characters. So that's really cool, man. I mean, that is awesome. Yeah. It's so much fun. Cool. 